Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, welcome to episode 122 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop, and with me is my co-host, Diami Plotki of the Penultimate Woodshop. Today, we're going to talk about Festool's new Pro 5 LTD sander and other woodworking topics. Diami, how are you? Good evening, Sean. Good evening. Good evening. It is evening at that. It, well, this is weird. My family's down here, so Connor's like staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be self-conscious. He's just a fan. I know. I know. He's just curious what's going on. So, um, you've been uh, you've been busy. I have. I have. Since, since we last, last talked to you, you, I believe you completed a table. I did. I did. Last time we talked, it was um, it was under glue up. Last time we talked, I know that uh, yeah, it was Bill, like in your kitchen. Yeah, Bill was enjoying the fact that my the top of the table was on a bench in the middle of my kitchen under glue up. And at the time, I think I had the the posts and the legs basically done, and I had decided that the last bit of joinery between the center stretcher and the vertical post of the trestle that I was going to do that. I was running out of time. And I was going to do that with dominoes rather than a through mortise. I think that's where we were last time. Yes. Yes. How'd that end up? Uh, it, I did it with dominoes and not a through mortise. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. It, it, and it ended up fine. Uh, the table came out very nice. I was quite pleased with it. Um, I, I'm actually, it was, it was not terribly hard to build. Um, what I think I would do next time is uh, the top was uh, 30 ish inches wide. It's a relatively small table. Um, I made the trestle table that is in the book that accompanied the first season of rough cut. Mm -hmm. So all the dimensions are in there and I made the top out of three boards. Like I think the smallest was 11 inches wide and the biggest was like 14 inches wide. They were all slightly different width, but I made it out of three boards. And what I came to realize was if I'd ripped them all in half, I would have been able to get them all over the joiner before they went through the planer. And I, I put them on a sled, oh. and I shimmed them, and I glued them. So in theory, I should have been flattening one surface first and break them off the jib, the jig, rather, put that flat surface down and mill the other side. But in practice, they mm. were because they were so wide, because they were so long, they, they, were little, they were less than perfectly flat. They were close, but they were not perfectly flat. And by the time I joined the three together... And screwed them to the base. It was imperceivable that they weren't flat. Um, but I think I would have preferred to be able to mill them up over the joiner and the planer um, to do. That being said, as I'm staring at my joiner, uh, they were too long. I would not have been able to put them on my joiner without actually putting the mobile base together that I'm in the process of construct- constructing. And it, it's been fits and starts, certainly. Um where I'll invest a little time in it, and then I don't touch it for three months. And probably two or three months ago, my friend welded up some brackets for me that I need to turn into the actual mobile cart. And I haven't touched them since he welded them. Um, okay. I remember a, talking about that. Yeah, one good day, and I could do it. Because I need to shim them a little bit with some plywood. They're a little bit less than perfectly square. And I need to lift the damn thing up and attach it. And it's going to be a bit of work to do. I have to drill holes through this quarter-inch thick steel to, to bolt. Oh. Uh, they're, okay. Yeah, they're serious. Um 
to yeah. bolt the uh, the wheels to. So it's not quite as simple as just throw it underneath the joiner. But one long day in the shop, and I could have the joiner on wheels. But right now, it is not on wheels. And the way it's positioned, uh, even if I'd ripped the tabletop down to be narrow enough to fit over the joiner, the pieces would have been too long for me to fit over the joiner. It's too close to one end of the shop. Um, right, you, yeah. I know you've got size constraints where everything's kind of tucked in. Exactly, so the, exactly. The mobility is so you can get it into the middle and at least gain that access, right? Well, fundamentally, the mobility is so I can tuck it underneath the outfeed uh, wing of my miter saw. Oh, okay. Um, because where it sits now, it's much closer to the to the wa- to the wall opposite the garage door. Um, mm-hmm. And the way I have stuff stacked up. I probably have about four inches of infeed, or four feet of infeed before it hits the knives. And if I okay. clear everything out of the way, that probably goes to somewhere in the ballpark of five and a half or six. So I might have been right, if I cleared everything away, I might have been right there with the tabletop. Because the tabletop wasn't much bigger than six. I think it was about six or seven feet long. Okay. Um, but that being said, it would be nice to be able to, to pull away. Uh so how did how did you with the board like how did you join those boards together then did you domino those together or were they just edge glued I dominoed them together but support? I okay. only really put the dominoes in for alignment yeah and if they'd Off been the top, basically so you knew it was yeah exactly if they'd been perfectly flat I don't think I would have bothered dominoing it I mean they mm. were just long edge grain glue joints I perfectly trust that just an edge glue joint is going to be strong enough. Right, but because they weren't perfectly flat, the dominoes, you know, made it so that I didn't have to clamp down the middle. When I clamped it up, I had two calls across it, roughly a third of the way in on each side, and I had clamps on the very end, holding you know at the joints, four clamps holding right. it together. Right. Um, okay. So it was my plan to not put anything in the joint until I saw that they weren't perfectly square. And then I decided to put the dominoes in. But I think I put like four or five dominoes in each joint along the length. It wasn't a lot. And how again, how long was it? I want to say it was 60 oh. inches. I'm looking around. I don't think I have my my notebook. I was doing all my sketches. Oh, wait. Here it is. Maybe I could tell you. Roughly five feet. Roughly. Yeah, the top was... Doo, 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 doo. It was 62 inches long. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was 32 inches wide, 62 inches long. Okay. No, but um but was that the was that the worst of it was getting the top top not you know that didn't come out completely flat in pieces to to be flat did the, the trestle came together okay? Uh, and, yeah, the the trestle came together fine. Um it okay. was nice big pieces. I I ran out and I I picked up lumber specifically for the project. So I had boards that were big enough to do everything and I say that I think I think my my center stretcher might have been like a quarter inch narrower than the than the um than the book said it should be, but it in, was fine. In thickness, and, I'm imagining something that's taller than it is wide. Yes, yes. So it was in stretcher. thickness, and it might have even okay. been like a half inch shorter. But all the the actual size of the table in terms of the height and the tabletop were this, were correct or were what was in the book. Okay, and the other dimensions. I kind of eyeballed them. You, I could understand which one was supposed to be bigger than the other one. Like you want your foot to be wider than the vertical post and um, so that your shadow lines are all right. But, you know, a piece being, you know, let me just see. What else do I have? Like the 
the battens, which are the the two the horizontal pieces that come out below and above the posts, mm-hmm. were to be an inch and seven eighths by three and three eighths by twenty seven. Okay, and if mine were probably an inch and three quarter by maybe four by twenty seven, like th- those, the width and height of them, it didn't really matter. No, um, it it was imperceivable assembled it was imperceivable that mine was any different than the, the real one and it all looked fine so i wouldn't say that was a problem that was me understanding which measurements were important which measurements weren't and just ballparking the ones that weren't right um you know kind of just getting down to a bit of relative dimensioning knowing your target size but then the pieces let them dictate exactly there. exactly like some of the pieces once i got them to be perfectly square if it was still an eighth of an inch too wide well, so what? It was an eighth of an inch too wide. I would, I didn't bother just planing more wood away. Right. There's no need there. So, um, and and um, I don't have an an image uh of of the plan or or even yours in front of me. But um, if I'm thinking right, I mean, this wasn't like stylized. There wasn't there wasn't too much cutesy about it. It was pretty, not I mean, not directly square, right? It was. Uh, you know, the under. I'm guessing the underneath was it like was it rounded or was it cut at angles or no or... well the tabletop itself was cut perfectly square okay but it was Every only a bit of it i mean six sides flat yes but it was only it was <laughs> it was just a hair thicker than three quarters of an inch um okay so it, it wasn't like this thin for as big as it is yeah uh and it wasn't this um it wasn't this thick thing that needed a, a bevel to to make it yeah to, to like yeah and, but my, then the like the batten underneath, um, did it uh, did it um, come like the the batten as it came to its end? Did that round up or did it, or was that square as well underneath? The batten came. Obviously. The batten had an angle on either side. Um, okay, so it just kind of like you just chamfered it or, or mitered it just to relieve. Yeah, well, it's it's a long contacting. it's a long batten, and I actually just I I marked them out, and then I just eyeballed them on the table saw. Uh, not the tables, excuse me. No. I would not do that on the table saw. The tables will use effects. <laughs> I, I eyeballed them You're on blind. the bandsaw. And then I just sanded oh, the them. Oh. And that was it. Okay. Not bad. Um, and then did the feet mirror that? Or, you know, yeah, the, you know your feet kind of The feet down. on the bottom and the batten on the top are identical to each other. The only okay. difference is the feet get little pads glued to the bottom to actually, so that it has four points of contact, not two long points of contact. Yep. And, no, that's cool. And so, so delivery went well, and uh, customer is happy. Yeah, yeah, the delivery was fine. I, I, I threw it in the car, and uh, I left my house around noon on Wednesday. I got down to uh, my friend's house in Maryland at I don't know dinner time, and I was up at six out of his house by like six thirty. I actually, uh, when I left, I had I, I grabbed uh, Neil Becker. Oh really? Down in Maryland, yeah. We had breakfast. I dragged him out <laughs> nice and early. We <laughs> met at the diner at like quarter to seven. Oh, I've seen um, Neil in a while. Yeah, so we had we had breakfast, and then I kept driving, and I I made it to Wilmington, North Carolina. I think Wilmington. Uh-huh. Um, I made it down there. I'll be just south of there. And okay, um, no, I made I made it down there by about four, three thirty no, something. Not like bad. That. So no, it wasn't bad. Um, so now. I brought it down completely sanded, but I had I did not apply any finish to it. Okay. Uh, because all things being equal, with dry time, it would have taken me longer to well, finish than it did to build. 
Yeah, no matter. Um, so hmm. I showed my friend how to finish it. And then, of course, at the Home Depot and the Lowe's in Wilmington, they don't have steel coat. Um, you know, you're going to make me look for it next time I'm in. I've been Home looking Depot for it since then, and it seems to be disappearing from the big box stores. I've okay. Seen, more stores that I go in don't have it than do, whereas they used to all have it. So I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on with it. Um, but it's maple, so I wanted to give it a wash coat of a half pound uh, shellac before we mm-hmm. put the finish on. Right. So we picked up. We picked up denatured alcohol to cut the seal coat with. We picked up. Is it mineral spirits you cut polyurethane with? Um, I think so. Whatever the whatever the correct solvent for polyurethane is, we picked that up. We picked up a container of just Minwax Poly. I, having having done, you know, having cut the Minwax Poly to make a wipe on mm-hmm. Poly versus the the ready to go wipe ons from General Finishes. I. I think anecdotally, I think I like the Minwax better, but in reality, I don't think I can tell the difference. Uh, you're uh, talking about application or what the finish was at both. after application? Okay, okay. They yeah. they perform imperceptibly different. So yeah, I've um I've I've thinned Armor Seal and done it, and I've also used Minwax just straight up. I don't know if I've ever tried. I mean, I've I've applied the Minwax like Poly Direct. But I don't that'd know be with I, a brush, I, right? Yeah, it was brush. Yeah, yeah. brush applied. Um, I've wiped on thinned armor seal, but otherwise, well, armor seal should be thin enough to wipe on without thinning it. Yeah, I used it. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Mark by Mark's uh, suggestions. Simple I think varnish finish. Yeah, well, not even from before he wrote the book, but when I was when I made cutting boards, which we all do at some point in our life. Um, I I thinned it and that I mean it did allow it to like pour through. And, oh, okay, okay. And, I mean, you're looking to really saturate the cutting board. And, yeah, it was it was I the idea, you. and and it was it was so thin, it w- it was ridiculous. But um, yeah, I've never um I've never actually tried to thin just a straight up Minwax Poly. As I see it, I mean it's a, I have a Poly shade that's over there and something in a yellow oak or yeah. whatever golden oak at some point in my life. The um. No, I find the the Minwax Poly to be to be very nice. Um, and when you when you cut it, I forget what the right ratio is. I think it's I think it might just be as simple as fifty fifty. But I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, mm. So I, we picked up everything we would need to finish it, except the seal coat, which we were going to use as the shellac. Um, so how long were you there, and how much did you get to actually literally show him? how to do it or you just said here's the here's the liquids go ahead i picked up we went to the store we picked up all the liquids except the seal coat which we ordered on amazon because that was the quickest way for him to get it Mm. um and then we sat down and we watched mark simple varnish finish dvd there you go did you bring it along i did (laughs) that's pretty awesome um so we watched it and i went over the whole thing with him and then um so that was on thursday night and Friday at 6 a.m., I was up and I was out of his house by 6.30 and on the road again. Oh, my gosh. And have you heard? This was uh, what, a week ago. The last or... I heard was on fr- on Thursday, the seal coat arrived. So I think he worked on it over the weekend and I have not heard how that 
did or did not go. And where was the destination? Destination was this a kitchen table? Was this a? It's a, it's table? a dining room table. A dining room table. Yeah. All right, excellent. That's a nice cozy dining room table. Um, now, what it, did you put in here about polycrylic? Uh, bear with me a second, because I'm okay. Oh my gosh, it's so. It's it's too much work to share photos. <laughs> I downloaded two, so it zipped them. So now I have to extract the zipped file. Yes, let's replace the destination files. It's quality audio, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm just sharing in the chat what the table looked like. Now that we're done talking right. about the table, um. Oh, there we go. Oh, so new, new to me. Oh my gosh! I need a per- permission. Um, yeah. So I put the the polycrylic um, in as a comment of the wall art. So I've been one of the things I did while I was driving around is I dropped off some wall uh, wall art I made for Carrie Holtman at her house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I managed to ship out the other two pieces I made. One got dropped off to my sister-in-law and one went out to um, Amy Davis Roth. So they're, the pieces I've made so far are just boards with ink-transferred images on them that are finished in spray lacquer and, and waxed. Okay. And... In my, what's the word I'm looking for? In my, in my focus grouping, I have apparently people like the dull weathered look more than a finished product look, which, and by focus grouping, I mean talking to my wife. (laughs) Um, And this is, this is the look of a ink applied design on wood Yes, and how to cover it. Exactly. Okay, so it's like, do we want the plasticky, shiny cover, or do we want the less than that? Well, I I wouldn't call I would call it a waxy, shiny color, not cover, okay. not a plasticky, shiny cover. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Um, so the first round that I made, I used uh, the now I'm just using rattle can lacquer. I'm not. I while I have a spray system, I've never actually taken it out of the box, and um, and I wasn't going to learn on these things. The rattle cans are more than enough to do these little pieces I'm talking about. The, you know, the yeah, biggest ones, like, yeah, yeah, they're like what, 12, a- 12 inches by nine inches or something. They're they're not yeah. particularly big. Um, so I've been very happy with the deft uh, spray lacquer. Deft? I don't yeah. know. Like I, I'm in view of my finished shelf, and I that's enamel. That's no, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever seen deft. Um, I know the deft I have, I got off Amazon years ago. Okay. I was testing a couple different ones and I tried the, the Minwax, the deft and the Watco and they were all the spray lacquers. Mm-hmm. And while I think the Minwax polyurethane, when you cut it is just as good as anybody else's, it's a very nice product. The Minwax lacquer, I hate, um, I, I really, yeah. What it is is I just I used up the remaining. I had I had like a partial can of each, so I used the deft to finish these these three pieces of wall art I made. And over the weekend, I tried. I mean, I'm staring at 
five of them that are going well and are about a third of the way finished. Four of them that are finished, but I'm not terribly happy with. And then (laughs) about a dozen, probably eight that I screwed up and need to stand off and start over. And two that I had to apply some epoxy to because I'm using old beat up boards with cracks and stuff in them that just weren't ready to be printed on. So it was a, okay. it was a week. This yeah, past I saw you, you posted something about the, the troubles you were having with, I think it was the ink transfer that you said, thankfully you can just sand it off. Yeah. I, I made some sloppy mistakes and I would just drop it and just smear red over them. <laughs> that one went <laughs> aside. And then some of them have text on them. And I, on one occasion I forgot to reverse the text. So it printed backwards. Oh. And that was bad. And then I've been trying to do like actual photographs. And Mm -hmm. what I've learned is when you're using a bright, bold image, the grainy texture of oak comes through very well. Okay. But on a photograph, the grainy texture of oak just detracts from it. You can't see the photograph. So I'm thinking the photograph, I know the photograph will do better on pine. I'm a little reluctant to do this on pine, but I know the photograph will transfer well on pine. And I'm thinking the photograph will transfer on, um, oh, what's it called? I, I'm thinking that it will transfer well onto maple. So, so that's what I'm going to try is doing it on some pine and some maple and see if it transfers better. But what I need is is a wood that is bright rather than dark. And I need a wood that is uh, tight grain so it stands to a smooth surface rather than something like oak that has lots of pores in it when it sands. Another thing that I found was that on flat sawn oak, even with a brightly colored simple image, the the cathedral pattern in the grain is a detraction. Whereas on quarter stone mm-hmm. oak, the straight lines, I'm not going to say they're an addition, but they add, like they add a, a wooden natural quality to it without detracting. Cause they're not distracting. I think it's a real thing is that the, um, the flat zone with the cathedrals, it's distracting. Whereas the, the straight lines of the quarter sawn, you see the you see the grain, especially with the oak. It's that very open, porous grain. You see the grain, mm-hmm. and it kind of adds a dimensionality to it, but it doesn't detract the way the the arches do. Is it a case where the um the 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 differences in the grain, especially with oak, where you get the the waning, you know, the darker the lighter, you know, does, does it absorb the image differently? Um, not really. Okay, what? so it's really because it's kind of dropped on top of it. Exactly. So what what absorbs the image differently is like the pores, like the pores don't absorb the image because the image is just transferred by a flat piece of paper. So it's not going into the pores. Sure. So the pores are just little voids in the image. And like I'm saying, oh, okay. in, a, in a bright, bold, simple pattern, it's not enough to break up the pattern. You clearly see what it is. It's just a little distracting if they're in cathedrals. Whereas on an actual picture, you can't quite like – the picture of the dog with cathedrals through it, it just looked terrible. Then I redid the dog with uh, Quarterson, and it looks much better. But because the oak is that kind of – that particular piece of oak, I have oak ranging from almost white to a honey color, the different boards I have. And it was more of a honey-colored one. And because printers don't print white, and it's a white dog, 
the dog is wood colored. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work. Um, okay. So that's what yeah. I want to try the, the, uh, I picked up pickled oak stain, which should kind of make it more of a whitish color, almost like a, like a pickled wood or a, a, a whitewashed wood. Um, right. I'm not sure if this is going to be exactly the color I want to use going forward. So I picked up the smallest container of it I could. I've spent $5 on it. Um, but I think if I if I almost whitewash the board prior to printing the image on it, then the the images that require a lot of white should look better. Yeah, I mean, in a case like that where you're trying to, it's a dog whose fur is truly white or damn near white. You know, even a light maple or poplar, even it would not be the same white holly. <laughs> if you want to go wood wise, would be uh, maybe the right color, but then you're gonna. It's going to be probably a bigger deal than you need it to be. Exactly. Though at this point, if I have to stain the wood and then apply, you know, some of these images are two or three ink transfers in order to build the image up. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, it ends up, especially like any of them that have text, that's two transfers at minimum because um, hmm. it's the background image and then the text. And then. Like one of the ones I did over the weekend was four transfers because keep in mind, the size of the transfer is limited by the size of a printer. So, I mean, you're pretty close to an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper print, aren't you? Or that's not? A, no, that's what I am at is an eight and a half by 11. Uh, in okay. practice, it's like, you know, eight and th- three eighths by, by 10 and seven eighths, something like that. I'm not going to quite go to the edge, but I can go pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one piece I printed over the weekend. It was a, it was a piece of one by six that was like, I don't know, it's like 14 inches long and I printed two lines of text on it. So it was actually two printings, but each, each printing was like the left hand side, the right hand side. Mm-hmm. And they didn't quite line up cause I'm, I'm applying these. It's, it adds, I think like a handmade, Rustic's not the right word, but they're not. It's not perfectly aligned. They're all a little bit off, and the, it bleeds into the wood a little bit. So the it, the lines are not the, not perfectly straight. I think it adds a a handmade feel to it. It doesn't it doesn't look like somebody just printed on the wood. Um, but with the text not lining up, I don't know. I, I it's it's a learning process at this point still. What your uh, I guess it's an experiment still. Yeah, I guess I never asked what what inspired you to start doing this. Uh, well, the I was going back and forth with uh, with Amy Davis Roth from um, Maker's Hustle, and she had um, she had a quote, and she was a bit frustrated and asked if somebody could make a sign for her that said it. And I was like, "Yeah, no problem, I'll do it." And went back and forth, and the the idea I have in my head ultimately is to. W- dye a number of individual boards through colored resin infusion, assemble them, use a CNC router to route out the text, then mm-hmm. fill that with a colored epoxy and mm-hmm. sand it all back, revealing the dyed color of the individual pieces and the color of the epoxy. But right. um, I'm almost hap- hoping that I can bootstrap it through this because that's going to involve the outlay of a lot of equipment. I don't have the vacuum chamber I need for the resin infusion. I don't have a CNC. 
Um, there's a long learning curve and expense curve between now and there. So for now, just doing the ink transfer seems to be a viable option to do the same thing in a slightly less complicated manner. That sounds awesome. I mean, a lot more work, but I mean, it, it's a more like prominent, it'll, it'll probably pop the text right out in a different way. You know, it's, it's, it's going to have a bit of depth or texture to it. Uh, by being, you know, again, it is, I don't know. It, it just seems like it would be a, more tangible in some way rather than look like something that was just printed on wood. Exactly, exactly. I think ultimately it'll uh, allow for more design options and just take the whole thing in a direction that I'm, I'm interested to go in. Um, but it's also going to, even once I have all the equipment, forgetting the cost of the equipment, it's a much longer process. And it's the difference between a 50 to to $100 piece and a hundreds of dollars piece or maybe a thousand dollar piece. I don't, I don't really sure. know exactly how much labor will go into dying multiple individual pieces, assembling them, routing them, pouring the epoxies. It's going to, it's going to, you know, add many, many man hours to the process as well as more materials and consumables. But yeah. still, yeah, I mean, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it's even with all that, it's a direction I want to go. It seems really cool, and I guess what what's the ultimate goal besides hand delivering or shipping these to people that you know? Are are you gonna open an Etsy shop where you're gonna sell them? Or I've been toying with that. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on the idea, but I think I'm definitely leaning that way. Um, so what I've got stacked on my benches now between the ones I've I'm happy with the ones that are midway and the ones I'm not happy with. I've got probably 25 blanks and I want to get them all finished, which will represent some uh, along the same theme, some radically different, but it's going to represent, let's say it's probably 10 different designs. I've got multiples of some. Um, if I'm satisfied with the way they come out and believe that I can reproduce those once I've worked out the kinks and have sanded off the mistakes and fixed them and things like that, um, then I think um, then I think I would try to take them to market and I would think that Etsy is the way to go. And while I understand that these days Etsy is flooded with a little bit of everything, I don't know that I would necessarily get found on Etsy. I think that Etsy is probably the easiest platform to sell them on. Um, I, yeah, that's why I said it. I think so, it's just that's the space where you, if you want to open your own little tiny markets marketplace, that seems like the easy and common way to go right now. Right, right. And I think that what I'm thinking of as a price point, I'm thinking – I think I want them to start at $50 a piece, but I don't know that I can – I don't know that I can produce one for that cost. I think it might be more expensive. I've been tracking all my material costs and my labor and stuff, and I'm going to figure it out. And I don't want to. I don't want to pay people to take them from me. So, if if the right price, if the right bottom price is sixty or seventy, then it is what it is. Um, yeah. But my goal is for it to be fifty. But that being said, from there, I think they go up to probably a range. In my head right now, I'm thinking fifty to one fifty, depending on what they are, and I see them as infinitely. Um, customizable to whatever really a person wants. While I'd have you know a certain number of pre-made available ones, if I can figure out 
what the appropriate process is for a true photo. Uh, like I've got a photo of my kids that I really like and a photo of my dad's dog and I'm going to do a photo of my dog and I want to try to get it so that they all look good. If I can work mm-hmm. out, you know, email me a picture, you know, any picture you want and I make this piece of art out of your picture. I think that could be worth, worth something. Um, sure. The ones that require two or three ink transfers versus one are going to be more expensive than a single transfer because it's just more labor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. More expensive wood is going to be you know more expensive than cheap wood. A live edge will be more than a straight edge. It, you know, it's have some some scale to it. Ideally, what I picture is okay. Pick your wood. Pick your edge type. Is it a single transfer, a double transfer, a triple transfer? Pick your finish. Add those things together. That's the price. That would be mm-hmm. my ultimate goal. But I think that's more complicated than Etsy can do. So I, I'm not. A, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, this would be my first time ever selling something online. So I really, I'm not sure exactly how it would work. The other thing I've realized is I'm terrible at fulfillment. Um, <laughs> so I would need to be. I need to step up my own game in terms of mailing stuff out, and I would need to be upfront that these things are not going to ship out within 24 hours. I think there's an understanding with that with with the the current uh landscape of what is Kickstarters and even Etsy. Now I've I've purchased a few things off Etsy and I was happy to get them quickly. Um I I know I went into that because they were handmade things. There was no like I I ordering this and I expect it Friday kind of situation. It was I'll get it. I understand. Um it's funny that that rolls us into our main topic in a strange kind of way. But um, well, before we get into the main topic, um, yeah. could I just mention one thing? Because you kind of steered Please. us there. Is in the show notes I had written polycrylic. Yes, sir. Now, and I've used polycrylic. What What do you have to say about it? I have to say that it's garbage and shouldn't be sold. <laughs> uh, and why? Okay, because what me... I've used on are cornhole boards. Let me let me start by saying that as a general rule, I am not a fan of water-based finishes. Okay, I was going to say um, it is a water-based, clear, brush-on finish. Exactly. I'm going to say it's a it's a cross between a polyurethane and an acrylic with a water base. I'm assuming that's what it is based on the polyacrylic. But the fact that they there's so much branding in different finishes, it may not be it may not be polyurethane or acrylic it's a it's a protective finish it's a crystal mm-hmm. clear ultra fast drying protective top coat there you go if you um, have a can handy that's easy to tell yeah so i like oil-based finishes much more than water-based finishes um and it's not that whole well the water-based finishes are clear and the oil-based finishes provide you know that ambering tone if I'm looking for an ambering tone, that's true, but I'm not always looking for an ambering tone. That's why I have all this lacquer because it's like glass clear. Um, right. I don't necessarily always want a, a an ambering tone, but what I want is something that dries quickly, which, okay, this does, but um, I want something that dries quickly. I want something that is durable and performs the way I want. And the last time I used polycrylic, was we it was in in my former house my wife and i had just gotten married and this was our first house and the floor both the sub the subfloor and the main floor were the same thing and it was one by six pine 
Maybe oh. it was one by four pine. It was one by four. So they were like okay, like one going diagonally and one going. No, no, it was there was only one. There was no subfloor. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. One in the same. They okay. were one in the same. Um, okay. So in in the guest bedroom, we actually painted a checkerboard pattern on it, oh. and we painted it. We painted the whole floor a light blue color, and then we put down checkers of a dark blue color. So when it was all finished, it was a checkerboard, and based. Because we'd used uh, latex-based paint based on the advice from the paint store who was phenomenal. Unfortunately, they've kind of gone under and been bought out by a hardware store and they're not what they used to be. But that's really only relevant to people who live in the surrounding towns of mine. Um, we put the, the, the polycrylic, the water-based polycrylic over it. Now, that was polycrylic out of a one-gallon pail and it was rollered on. And we put down like seven or eight layers because it was a floor. Um, and... It over now. This was let me backtrack. This was like a decade ago, so I'm not saying that things haven't improved, but it yellowed over time, and it it proved to be not very durable. Admittedly, it was a floor, but still, the oil based floor finishes were much much more resilient than it was. Um, uh, it was it um was it UV exposed? Not. I mean, there were two windows in the room that one faced east and one faced north, so it got some sun, but not not really. It wasn't okay. like a patio. Right, yeah. I'm just I'm wondering about the the yellowing. No, it it, it uh, that seems to just be it, it's aging because it yellowed evenly across the room. Okay. It wasn't like just the path. Yeah, of the it sun. wasn't. Okay. Um. So anyway, that kind of turned me away from it, and I have been I've been satisfied and pleased with the oil based finishes I use, and I don't see why I would change like the. Alleged advantages of the water-based, so what, I guess, is my opinion. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, From what I understand, General Finishes has some very good water-based ones that act like oil-based. Well, why not just use oil-based? I just I – I don't I'm – not, I'm, not, you know, I'm not using thousands of gallons of it. I forget – it's cleanup time and or cleanup. Cleanup is I take the rag and I lay it over the edge of my garbage pail so it's not in a tight bowl and doesn't catch fire. And the next day when it's dried hard, I put it in the pail. Right. What, what cleanup? I'm rag applying everything. There's no cleanup. Right. Hell, I don't know. I'm just saying. So I mean, I, uh, no, I hear that cleanup argument, but I, I'm cutting all the finishes to rag apply, or I'm spraying out of a rattle can. There's no cleanup right. in either case. Um, right. I guess. I don't. I can't see brushing a finish on, no matter what it was based out of. So, if it's a brush cleanup, well, I'm not going to use a brush on a on a clear wood finish. It's not, for painting, yes, I do, I use lots of latex paint. I, I I use brushes. I clean them. No big deal. I don't like using oil based paint. I will agree with that. I've used oil based right. paints in a couple situations where they you know they take a lot of abuse, and the oil based paint is a little bit tougher and it's a pain in the ass to use. But you use it where you have to. But the reality is, I'm not brushing on a wood finish. So the cleaning is, is not real for me at least. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say that, um, again, you know, my experience with polycrylic was purely for cornhole boards. So who really gives two shits about that? Um, they're what outdoors. What's really they're good gonna... on cornhole boards is blue dyed shellac. <laughs> <laughs> but mine are painted already so the blue dyed might screw up okay paint see, i've only ever made one and i finished it with blue dyed shellac 
Yeah, I I, I painted things on top of them. So it, it, that's uh, and I'm you sure you were using but, latex paint, so the water based polycrylic was appropriate. Yes. Yeah, and that, and actually, that's probably how I landed on it. Was a bit of research of what's safe to cover this that's not going to bleed it or or dissolve it or or whatever upon application, and it's worked out fine. But my expectation of that is very little. I don't, I do not in any way expect it to last decades. Right. Uh, right. I, I, it's going used. Um, I would. That being said, I would have never. Knowing the little I know about it, trusted it to cover a floor in a house. Like well, I, don't, I don't know. I'm intended purpose aside. I it just I I land on maybe what is tradition of an oil based floor coating. Like it just seems like the right thing to do. From experience, I would agree with you. Um, but <laughs> I was young and I was taking the advice of the paint store guys, and they said that it would work. Um, right. But what what. To bring us around to my current tirade about why polycrylic is terrible, yes, is the first round of this wall art I'd finished with spray lacquer, and I've used spray lacquer many times before, and it's for what it is, it's fantastic. Um, you can put you know three coats on in an hour and a half, four coats on in two hours, and then if you're really feeling funky, you put a little bit of wax on it. It's a beautiful finish that's very easy to apply. The rattle cans are not necessarily the cheapest way to put a finish on, but for little objects, it's unbelievably fast and good-looking and easy. Mm-hmm. Well, the one problem with the rattle can lacquer is that the smell permeates the And what we were finding was that I have an attached garage and I would use it this time of year. I'm use I'm doing it in the garage rather than out in the driveway. The summertime, I'm more than happy to do it in the driveway. Sure, but it's cold outside. E- exactly. Right. So doing it in the garage, you could s- the smell would get into my son's room adjoining the garage and it would linger there for like a day and a half. And mm. it, it would stink up the garage too, but the next day when it was I'd wear a mask when I was doing it and I'd, I'd set my alarm you know, set it for a half hour I'd come back spray another coat set it for a half hour come back spray another coat and then the next day I would open the windows turn the fan on and, and blow all the air out and and I have to reheat the garage but who cares um, right so that was fine for the garage itself but when the smell would get into my son's room and I couldn't get it out for a day and a half well I'm gonna have to do some more air sealing to the walls the conclusion I've come to but I was tr- I had this can of polycrylic and it's a rattle can of polycrylic and mm-hmm. I figured let me try that see how that works and the I, okay I understand intellectually that it's a water based finish yes but having a rattle can based spray finish raise the grain still surprised me <laughs> hmm and the boards I have are milled flat to the point where when you drop one or the other, they kind of suck together. You know when you yeah. have two boards that are completely flat, how they kind of stick yeah. together that way. So that's sure. how that's how flat these boards are, and they're all smooth. They're all sanded to two twenty, which is you know you could sand higher, but in practical terms, it's smooth as hell. Yeah, that's finishing quality sanding. Right. The You're ready. the polycrylic. It was coarse after that. So I would, no so I'd, I'd, I'd take a, a sanding block with 220, 220 by hand and do a couple passes over it. Now, admittedly, I'm trying not to sand too much because A, I don't want to wipe off all the finish and B, I don't want to wipe off the thing I just printed on it. Right. 
Um, so I was having to sand in between each coat of polycrylic. And even after all that, it's still a much rougher finish than the lacquer. The lacquer is just, you know, baby, but smooth. <laughs> the, the polycrylic is absolutely not. And believe it or not, the polycrylic seems to have added more of an amber tone than the lacquer did. And what I'm looking for here is completely clear because I don't want to tone the image. Right. Yeah. Um, you want it to be as true as is true to the photo as possible. Exactly. And the polycrylic states that it is crystal clear. But in my experience, comparing it to to lacquer, it is not nearly as clear as lacquer is. So hmm. I don't think I will be doing any more with the polycrylic. In fact, I'm sure I won't. And I spent the day running around looking for uh, decent spray lacquer. And unfortunately, all the big boxes have – I think I think it was off-air we were talking earlier. It might have been on-air that we were talking about how the big boxes don't seem to be very sporadic in their covering – in their carrying of seal coat lately. Right. And what I've found is that, at least in the island, in the past couple of days, I've just – every time I drive past one, I've just popped in and, and stopped, and I do a fair amount of driving for work. So I've stopped in like five or six, probably four <laughs> Home Depots and two Lowe's, something like that. Oh, gosh. All right. And all of them only have the Minwax spray lacquer. And yeah, I, I would I would almost guarantee Minwax. But, yeah, uh, well, exactly. Um what I have sitting on my shelf is an open bottle of the Minwax, of the Watco, and of the Deft. Yeah, I think I've got and Watco right here. I um, I tested all three of them, and I found the Deft to be the nicest. But I tested them years ago on a different project. But what I found is I've got a board. I think it might still be in the house. It's a live-edge board that I kind of turned into a shelf, but I've realized it wasn't big enough for where I wanted to put it and it's too big for where my wife wants to put it so I'm not sure where I'm going to end up putting it. <laughs> um, but I used the Midwax on it figuring I could pick that up locally let me see how that does and it's garbage. Hmm. Um, the the Minwax spray stuff? The Minwax spray lacquer I was very having just used the Deft and switched to the Minwax I was very unimpressed okay. by the Minwax yeah because I actually I have some of that too actually in the distance I can't reach it but I've got Minwax clear aerosol lacquer and I here in my hand I've got Watco clear lacquer I don't know why I bought them both yeah. but apparently I, um, I honestly don't even remember what I applied them to I need to but, try the uh, Watco again but that being said I can't get the Watco locally and I can't get the Deft locally so I'm go- if I'm going to have to mail order it I think I'll just go with the Deft because I like the Deft yeah. yeah if you know you like it you know how it performs go with it um, so in, in any event that's that's why the polycrylic note was in the uh, in the show notes because I've been fairly unhappy with it. That's fair. I'd be interested to see what other people's experiences are. Yeah, with yeah. It. Please, please let us know. And um, and if I'm if I'm way off base here, your taste is poor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm guessing you're not doing anything wrong. I don't think I just, so. I just don't know. Um, like what I found, and like to to get to the to the to the lacquer, I am pretty good with a rattle can. I know how to spray paint. Um, the light then passes, keeping it parallel, blah, blah, over, you know, run it past the surface. I, right. I, I'm i a pretty decent spray painter and I've always been pretty, excuse me, I've always been pretty happy 
with my results of rattle can finish. But even with what I would consider to be appropriately light coats, the Minwax lacquer just had an, an orange peel terribly. Um, that, that kind of hmm. mottled finish you get with the orange peel. Um, so I, my, my personal take is that it's Minwax selling to amateurs, arguing that they can do it in fewer coats and putting more, uh, more solids in it. And that's mm-hmm. why it's not as clear and smooth a surface because you want a thinner, multiple coats of thin rather than fewer coats of thick is my guess. But right. that is an that's absolute conjecture on my part. I don't know why, but multiple very thin balanced coats still I got really bad orange peel in the finish. And I, when there's better products out there, I don't think I'll bother trying it again. Yeah. I, I'm, um, I, I'm not a brand loyalist, but I'm all for sticking with what you have done, found through research to work for you. Yes. And that's I where you've landed. Yeah. And years ago, I don't remember what project I was doing. It might have been the shoe bench I made for my dad. I knew I was going to do a, a rattle can lacquer finish, and I bought the three different finishes, the Deft, the Wadco, and the Minwax. And I tried them all, and the Deft was my favorite then. And since then, I've used the Deft in a couple projects, always been very happy with it. But I've had these cans sitting around, and you know, you could even argue that maybe the Minwax has just been sitting on the shelf too long. But A, I, I shake the hell out of them. I actually use my watch, and I shake them for at least a minute following mm. the instructions on the back of the can. And the de- the can of Deft I have is just as old as the can of Minwax. And the Deft did phenomenally and then two days later i went to use the minwax and i was disappointed by it so i don't i don't think it's the age of the can i think it's just the product itself yeah could be again be interested what other people have to say you may have guessed that i have a lot more to say uh, too much in fact in that sean and i continued to talk in this episode for a total of over two hours and while i'm one to let the episodes run a bit long that seemed excessively long for a single episode So we appreciate your listening, and we're going to cut it off here, and we'll continue our talk, though we change subjects for the next episode, and we'll go into the discussions of the new Festool Sanders. But for now, stay safe in your shops, go make something that you enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon.